0: Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. So good to have you leaning in on a message I'm very excited to bring to you today as we continue in this season of sermons for us as a church called It Is Well. We're dealing with our heart, our soul, and our emotions. We believe you can have soul satisfaction even in the midst of this struggling world. Now, I believe you cannot be spiritually healthy. You can't be God's best without being emotionally healthy. And today, we are tackling some big issues that many of us face. We're going to be dealing with depression and anxiety. Now, I'm not promising a one-sermon quick fix for you, because for many of us, this might be a lifelong struggle that we've been in. But what I will encourage you with is this. Jesus made a promise that he would never leave us or forsake us, that he's with us no matter what sort of situation or storm we might be facing in our inside world. And as a church, we want to just be mindful of this. We're going to walk with you help you, encourage you. In fact, we're all going to be encouraging each other, not to just carry this weight alone, not just to worry in isolation, but we're walking together and we will keep moving forward to the God-best future for you, your heart, your soul, and your inside world. I want to speak today from the title, Highs and Lows. Every life has highs and lows. But as believers, we can experience joy and peace even in the messiness and the chaos of this world. Would you join me in prayer? And let's really pray, because for many people, this is a situation and a struggle they deal with daily. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you meet with us, even in the messiness of our life. For many of us, we've been battling with this crisis and situation for a long time. And we are inviting you in by your Holy Spirit, with the word of God, to give us a way forward. Lord, I do believe that in a moment, you can lift depression off someone. In a moment, you can calm storms and bring peace to people's anxious thoughts. But Lord, whether that happens in one moment of prayer, or we're just walking together, partnering together as a church towards your best for us, I thank you that you're with us through it all. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, as we lean into you in Jesus' mighty name, amen. We all know what anxiety is. It's the fear of the future. It's the fear of what might happen. Depression, we know what that is too. It's a frustration uh, of feeling stuck because what has either happened to you or what hasn't happened for you. I think both of those situations keep us from getting our eyes onto Jesus and stop us from moving forward into God's best. When it comes to depression and anxiety, I really think we all fall into one of three groups. Uh, Those that have a mild case of depression or anxiety those that have severe levels of depression and anxiety, and probably all of us know and care and love someone who has one of these struggles. So we all fit into one of those three parts. When when it's mild, it's like a headache. Uh, It's there, it affects you, but you can still do normal life. You can still function, you can still go to work. It, It comes and goes, it's seasonal, it's situational, but it's reoccurring. You're aware of it, but you haven't been able to overcome it. Like a headache, you might take something for it. And I'm not talking about medication, I'm talking about how you medicate with anxiety or depression. For many of us, we pour into work more, or we try to escape from people, or or, or we even have habits and hangups that even lead us to addiction, because we're trying to figure out what's going wrong in our inside world. When it's severe, that's a whole other story. That's more like a migraine. It's debilitating. Uh, You have trouble living your normal life. It's hard to face the day without panic or dread. It's sometimes hard to get out of bed if you're battling severe depression. I believe this, that you don't just have to cope with it, that there is hope for it. I believe there's hope for healing, total restoration in your heart and your mind. More than you just believing that there'll be more good days than bad days, I believe there's a day of breakthrough as you walk in a new identity, where anxiety and depression don't rule over you, you learn to rule over it. And yes, sometimes we have to learn to manage our mess as we're making progress, but we will make progress. If I can get really real today in church, I know you all think I've got it all together. I know you don't probably think that. But the truth is I battle both of these situations. I've got highs and I've got lows. I've got anxious thoughts, and sometimes I feel stuck. I would say personally, for me, if I'm diagnosing myself, it's probably more on the mild side. Uh, I don't think there's a day that I haven't been able to get out of bed. I don't think I'm so anxious that I can't sleep at night. But I've had some times where I've been so restless and worried about tomorrow that I didn't know what to do. I've had frustrations of feeling stuck. And even though I'm a person that lives my life to study and proclaim the word of God, I don't always know how to work it into every situation in my inside world. But what I have learned is that when I shove it down, it doesn't go away. If I succumb to it, it doesn't make me God's best. So I've decided to let the light shine. In fact, that's why I'm taking our church through this season of sermons. We are shining the light on our emotional health so we can experience God's best. I believe, and this is what I'm standing strong on, even for myself, there is hope for a full cure for what ails you. When we just cope with something, coping is for a a medical situation that you can't change. And I realize that maybe your depression or anxiety has got to a medical level. And I'm not qualified fully to speak about that. But let me tell you from my own story that I am learning how to win in my inside world. And I believe you can as well. I believe you can be healed from anxiety and depression. Again, it will not happen in one sermon. But God will walk with you all the way through to a place called health, to a place called peace. Anxiety and depression are really results, effects, if you will, are fruit of something else, something much deeper in our mind and in our soul. So we have to uncover the root system so we can change the fruit system. When it comes to highs and lows, anxiety gets us on a high of worry. We get an increased heart rate. We, we get this heightened fear. Normally, it's because we feel like we can't control what might happen to us. It's that you don't have control over your circumstances or you don't have any say in a potential outcome. I've got news for you. Researchers who have studied anxiety and fear say that 85% of the things that people worry about have no possible way of happening in your life. Now, you might hear that. And you say, well, what about the other 15%? That's more than enough to worry about. I don't know about you, but that gives me peace of mind that not everything I'm forecasting in fear is even has that possibility to become a reality. And then there's the lows, the lows of depression. It's the opposite of anxiety. Your mood goes down. You, you go low. You, you get lethargic. You go into hiding. You're not scared. You're not worried. You just feel stuck. You feel like your life situation is not going to get better. You maybe feel like a failure. A failure has become like a close friend. You cannot see a future where life works for you. I believe anxiety and depression are both fueled by helplessness. You can't stop what might happen or you can't change what has happened to you. You're helpless in making your future better. The truth is that out of sight, out of mind, doesn't work with these kind of issues. If you just try to ignore it, it doesn't go away. The more you shove it down and ignore it, the more it's likely to erupt in a season of your life. It's a little bit like cancer. It will masticize when you don't deal with the issue. In other words, it will begin to spread to other parts of your life. I believe as a church, we have to be on the front lines because remember, we're the connecting point between heaven and earth, between Jesus and people. And we should be able to walk with people and encourage people in these problems. And we're like this triage that maybe we don't fix everything, but we get them on the road to being mended and being whole. Uh, there's a lot of spiritual disciplines that you can start with that will help you and bring some initial relief, reading your Bible, praying, asking the Holy Spirit to guide you following God with others in community. There's things you can do naturally, like like lowering your stress, taking more breaks, being kind to yourself, going out with people that you enjoy. Self-care can make a difference, to work out, to eat right, to sleep well. Supportive relationships are vital in our emotional health and our spiritual health. You need to bring some of the friends of your future into the mix that you're walking through. But we don't want just a temporary relief. We want God's transformative cure. It says about Jesus in John chapter one, that he was the word, the word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And this is what I want you to get full of grace and truth. Jesus came to the earth filled with grace and truth. I personally believe that order is important that we start with grace the kindness of God, the goodness of God. And then we walk in truth. How do we work God's word into our world? And that will take us on a journey that might cost us several months of leaning in. It might be a few years, but there, a season of struggle that you might find yourself in has a, an end in sight when we walk in grace and truth. Grace is experiencing God's best for you, believing God's best for you, believing the love of God has washed away your sins, and he meets you in your current struggle. But then we also need truth. We can't just say, like, God, take this away. God's given us his word to align our steps and to take us in the way he's called us to walk. Grace helps us feel loved and safe, but truth gives us direction and the way we're called to go if you've been battling depression or anxiety let me tell you god cares deeply about the situation of your struggle he meets you there and he loves you despite all the inadequacies you might feel his grace is sufficient for you but god's also given us the second step called truth that jesus shows up with grace and truth to lead us into god's best for our inside world i believe that the the antidote For the helplessness that we feel is the hope that we have in Christ. It gives us a peace that can become a pathway, a picture uh, of a world filled with hope. Even in the midst of the painful place we might be in, where we currently reside, uh, I think hope gives us a way through the helplessness that we might feel. This year, I read a, a, a biography on the Apostle Paul. What an amazing life. It's given me an unbelievable perspective Not just all the great things God did through him, but all the things that he faced. He surely was a man that dealt with the highs and lows of life. He saw miracles, signs, and wonders. Churches started out of nowhere. The mission of Jesus was moving through him. And yet he had despair, betrayal, heartache, seasons of helplessness. And yet through it all, he kept a perspective that I'm not going to allow what I'm facing, the highs and lows of life, to stop me from moving forward. You know, he writes this book, it's really just a letter that's become an epistle that made its way into our New Testament to the church in Philippi, it's called Philippians. And in fact, if you haven't read it or haven't read it in a while and you've been struggling with these issues, I highly encourage you to read through this book, the book of Philippians, this very week. Now, naturally speaking, as Paul is writing this book, he is in a stuck place. He is in a low place. He also has a lot to be anxious about. At any moment, his life could be taken from him. And yet out of his struggle comes one of the most beautiful letters, beautiful books in the Bible. It's a small collection of thoughts and encouragement, but it unleashes a great power of joy into the church. And as relevant it was for the church in Philippi that was facing all sorts of adversity, it is relevant to you and the adversity that you are facing. The Apostle Paul started this church probably around 52 A.D., And we know how this church started. It started in Acts chapter 16. That Paul and Silas were beaten and in prison. They were in a low place and they had a lot to worry about. And yet as they begin to praise in the middle of their pain, God showed up and set them free. And not only were they set free, but real freedom came to the jailer and his family that day as they met Jesus and had a salvation and baptism experience right there that very night. So Paul birthed this church. God started this church out of a season of low and frustration. I wonder what sort of new thing God's going to birth in you. What sort of kingdom endeavor could come even through the low points or the anxious places that you might be facing. In this book, the book of Philippians, Joy or rejoice is used 16 times. In fact, we see it as a major theme that runs through the thread of the entire New Testament. In fact, joy is mentioned 200 times in the New Testament, while happy or happiness is only mentioned about 10 times. See, the God of the Bible, the same God of today, your heavenly Father has not promised that every situation or circumstance in life is going to make you happy what he has promised, and in the midst of the highs and lows of life, we can always have joy. Paul, he held on to this, and it gave him a strength and resilience through the highs and lows of life. As he's writing this book, he's in a Roman jail, probably underground. He might even be chained to a guard. At any moment, he could be killed, and yet he just wants to tell the church. I think he wants us to know that you can still have joy. Even if you felt helpless, there is hope. For you. As he starts the letter, he says, I, I thank God. In other words, I'm, I'm thankful to God. Probably not the first words I would have used. I probably would have said, hey, break me out. Get me out of here. I don't want to be in this situation anymore. I think it's human nature that when we're going through crisis, the first thing we want to do is complain. The second thing we want to do is blame. But what we see with the apostle Paul in the lows of this season where he could have been depressed because his ministry didn't seem to be working or moving forward, where he could be anxious because his life could be taken, the first thing we see him say is, I thank God. I am grateful for what he is doing in me and through me. Maybe you're in the midst of a bad day or a bad season right now. I believe the way you can get out of the helplessness and get some hope in your life is to start with gratitude. In Philippians chapter one, he says, I I thank God every time I remember you in all my prayers for you. I always pray with joy because of the partnership that we've shared in the gospel from the first day until now. This is the part I want you to get. I am confident, being confident of this, that he, Jesus, who began this good work in you will be faithful to carry it to completion. He's going to carry it to completion even all the way to the end, into the day of Jesus Christ. He says, I've got a confidence that God doesn't give you dreams and desires. Though they might be delayed, they are still destined to come to pass. He will carry it to completion. Paul had a dream of being on a stage or in a synagogue or on the streets of Rome preaching the gospel. But here he finds himself in a low place being stuck in a jail cell. I think Apostle Paul has an authority to preach on adversity and crisis. And one time in 2 Corinthians, he recalls all the adversity he's gone through, all the lows that he has faced in his life. He says, five times I was beaten with lashes. I've been beaten with rods. I've been shipwrecked. I've been night and day in the deep or in the sea. I was 30 hours floating in the sea. And and, and then he, he even builds a fire after he escapes the crisis, only to be bitten by a snake. He faced all sorts of betrayal. He was stoned and left for dead. And yet he says, even in all the lows, I could be depressed for all the dilemmas that I face. But I've decided to trust God that my destiny is still in front of me. And 2 Corinthians 4, he says, this is why we don't lose heart. Though outwardly, there's adversity. Though outwardly, there's plenty to worry about. Though in the circumstances of my life, there's plenty of struggles. He says, outwardly, I might be wasting away, but in my inside world, I'm renewed day by day. He says these light and momentary troubles, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs the struggle or the crisis that you might be in. And because of this, because we have something great on the horizon, we fix our eyes on not what is seen or for us with anxiety, not for what could be, but we look to what is unseen, the grace of God, the help from Jesus Christ. Because what you could see all around you, this is temporary and subject to change. But what is unseen, the ways of God, these are eternal. This is something that is lasting. In other words, outwardly, I've got a whole lot to worry about. Outwardly, I don't have a lot of good things or momentum happening in my life. Outwardly, there's a whole lot to be low about or anxious about. It's bad out there. But in here, where it really matters, I'm still at peace. I still have a hope. I still have this power of joy. When your outward determines your inward, you're in trouble. And this is where many of us have found ourselves in the the traps and the tensions of anxiety and despair. Uh, Many of us have found ourselves looking to all the things that aren't working or potentially the things coming against us. But instead, we have to learn to fix our heart and even our emotions on the unseen. The God who was with us before in salvation will see us through to the end destination of our destiny. We need to look at what's what's the root system that's producing this fruit system. For many of us, we aren't happy about our current situation. Therefore, we feel like God isn't with us. But God has not promised you happiness. He's promised you joy. I do believe you're going to have plenty to be happy about, especially for us living in the comforts of our Western world culture where we're not in conflict or crisis because of our faith on every single day like the Apostle Paul was. But happiness is just what happens to you. In fact, it comes from the Greek word, the Bible word for happiness, from the word luck. It just can happen one day or not happen the next day. It's based on your circumstance. The circumstance is literally the sphere of your life right now. It's the circle that you stand in. It's where you are in the moment. It has nothing to do with who you are or who you belong to. It has nothing to do with where you're going. And yet with all we're looking at is the circumstance or the circle around our life right now, There sure could be a whole lot of things that you could be anxious about or dreadful about, be in despair about. But if you can look to the unseen of God's great plan for you, it's going to give you some hope to keep you moving forward. See, happiness is based on what happens to us or around us or what has happened in our past. But joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on God showing up even in the highs and lows of life. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter four, I've I've learned, he says it's like a life secret to be content no matter the circumstance. No matter what the circle around me looks like, I've got an inner contentness that keeps me at peace and it is fueled by joy. I know this is hard for some of us because we battle with being control freaks, but so much of life is not up to you. You have to make the commitment. Don't let the things you cannot control control you. I believe joy happens by choice. And if you want to start getting some momentum out of the current misery or insecurity that you're facing, we have to choose joy. I think the Apostle Paul gives us through his life illustration some of the ways that we can get unstuck from this current circle or circumstance that we feel in. First one is this, we have to stop asking, why me? Moving forward dies when you start asking, why me? The truth is God never promised you that you'd have a perfect life. He's promised you that he'd be with you in life and that you can have peace in the midst of life's struggles. The apostle Paul could have asked, why me? And I'm sure he did, but he came to the solution that even when I'm held back by my circumstances, I'm still gonna allow God's hand to work through me. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I told you these things that in me, you might have peace because in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world. In other words, anchor your heart to the hope that you have in me. Paul goes on to say in Philippians one, that I I want you to know brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me actually has served to advance the gospel. What a mindset. In other words, all the bad things that I faced is actually serving a greater good. I'm actually able to be a living testimony of the peace and the joy of God, despite the circumstances and the struggles that I've been in. Why do bad things happen? I don't know. It's a broken world. We make bad decisions. Sometimes it's bad people have done Difficult things to us. But I want to tell you no matter where you feel in the highs of anxiety or the lows of depression, God's plan for you is not broken. So instead of asking, why me? Start asking, what now? What can God do through me now? This is when we enter into the joy zone. Instead of worrying about what might happen or frustrated about what has happened or isn't happening, Paul didn't get to preach on the stage and build the church in Rome like he had dreamed about. So instead, he said, what now? I'm going to start writing to the churches that I've already started. And because he did that in the midst of a dire season, we now have so many revelations and truth in the epistles and the passages of the New Testament. Because he didn't say, why me? He said, what now? So instead of saying, why have I been dealt with this family of origin? Why am I having to walk through all these problems and this pain? Why do I worry so much about the future? No, we're going to say, what now? God, what can you teach me in this season? God, who can you surround me with? God, who can I share my heart with? God, what can I do in this circumstance, the circle that I'm currently in? Instead of feeling so weighed down that I'm in despair and can't move forward, I'm going to choose to keep trusting that you have destiny in store for me, no matter the dilemmas that I am now facing. So for every bad situation, there is a new opportunity. So Paul says in Romans chapter eight, it's such a well-known passage. It says in Romans 8, 28, that we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I love that it says it works for the good, not makes everything good. The truth in this life is that we're gonna face things that we could be afraid of. And we're going to walk through seasons that feel like despair. But instead of asking, why me? We're going to say, what now? God, how can you work this for good, even when this doesn't look very good? And thirdly, we're going to pick a new perspective. We're going to start seeing that even the current crisis that we might be in, in our emotions, as an opportunity for God to reveal himself in a brand new way. I remember several years ago, I was flying back from overseas, and my, my bags got delayed, and, and I it was a Saturday, and I, I needed to be in church on, on Sunday, and um, it, it was just a busy season. And Honestly, on the trip I was on, I wasn't feeling all that great. I didn't have the best time, and I got to my gate just barely in time for the flight, and I was at gate C-114 in the Newark airport. It's bad enough being in New Jersey only to realize they had changed it to A-25, literally the other side of the airport. I begin to run, full speed sprint to get to the gate on time. I literally snuck in as they were closing the door. I am sweaty, I am frustrated, I didn't feel good. I was worried about my uh, missing the flight, not seeing my family. I was frustrated because that Someone else's problem, the airline's problem had delayed the whole situation. But then as I got on the plane and we begin to elevate above the clouds, all I then could think about is I'm on my way home. I get to see my babies. Uh, I get to preach tomorrow. God, you've got something great in store. Instead of being so frustrated about what didn't work or it cost me in that moment, I got an elevated perspective that I got great things on my horizon. Now I realize that story might not be applicable to the pains of your past, but I do believe there's a new perspective for you. And you begin to change from looking at the outside to asking God, what can you do in my inside world? You will begin to experience hope and the highs where the tension of anxiety will get a little lower and the lows of what you've been experiencing in depression will come up and God will begin to balance you out with an equilibrium of his grace So that you can keep going on, even with the circle that you now stand, the circumstance hasn't changed. God can begin to change you. Let's get a new perspective. Let's focus on what really matters. Let's keep learning, even in this season of sermons, not to be so focused on our outside or what could happen that we stay scared and stuck. But like the Apostle Paul, that even in his bad days, even when they locked him up, even when they had the threat of imminent death on the horizon, he said, I've got stuff to do. I've got things to do for God. My, My calling is too important to allow the chaos of this world or the frustrations that I have stop me from my God future. In Philippians chapter one, he even has this incredible perspective that for me, if I live for Christ, that's great. If I die in my dilemmas and my struggles, that's great. I'm gonna be with Jesus either way. Let me tell you this, the despair that you're now facing will not be the dead end of your life. The anxious thoughts that have ruled over you for far too long are coming down and you are getting a new perspective. In other words, because we have Jesus, there's no way that you can lose. The only way you lose is if you choose to give up If you choose to allow the circumstances to rule over your life, I believe there's so much more for us to grow into. And again, I promise that we will not fix you in one sermon or message, but I hope that what we've learned today by tackling these difficult issues is that we're not doing it alone. We have help. I think about uh, John Bunyan's classic allegorical story, Pilgrim's Progress. If you haven't read it, uh, it's a great story, and it was from the 17th century, and the main character in the book is called Christian, and he's on a journey. He's on a journey out of destruction to to heaven, really, to the celestial city, and as he's on this journey of life, and he's carrying all this baggage on him, he comes to this place, and in the book, it's called the Slough of Despond, and modern translation, it's called the Swamp of Despair. And it's just mire, it's junk, it's like a tar pit that he cannot get out of. And he begins to sink down until someone steps in and helps him. This guy meets him in that place, and this guy's name is Help. And Help is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He pulls him out of that place of being stuck, that place that felt like defeat, that felt like death, and puts him on a solid foundation so he can move into his future. Now Christian asks help, hey, how come we haven't fixed this place? How come there's still this swamp here? How come there's still this place where other travelers can get stuck? Help responds, say, hey, no matter how hard we try, we can't fix this. But what we can do is get you out of this place. In fact, he says there are some steps in that place, but you just didn't see them. And in the same way, all the chaos and crisis of this world, I want to tell you, it's not going away. I know that doesn't sound very encouraging, but that is the reality of the broken world that we live in. There will be things to worry about and things to be fearful about. There will be difficulties and dilemmas. There'll be seasons of despair. This is life. But just like Christian on his journey towards being closer to his calling, you're on a journey as well. And you do not have to stay stuck in the swamp messiness and the mire of this world. There is help for you. The Holy Spirit can encourage you. He does it through the word of God. He does it through his voice. He does it through the people of God, the church. And even if you might have missed the steps to get you out of your stuck place and struggle, he can pick you up by the grace of God and put you on a foundation for your future. In the highs and lows of anxiety and depression, there's help from the Holy Spirit for you. David says in Psalms 139, I can never escape your presence. Wherever I go, there you are. If you go to the highest heavens, there you are. I go down to the lowest place, even the grave, you're there too. Uh, I can go to the farthest oceans. I can scale the highest heights, you're there. And your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. Even when I feel like darkness is hiding me. No, your light shows up even in my nighttime. Even in the darkness of life, I can't hide from you. And that's the truth. And you might feel like you're so stuck. You might feel like you're so behind. You might feel like worry has ruled your heart. You might feel like depression has won the day. But I tell you right now, the spirit of the helper, the Holy Spirit is there for you. David also wrote the amazing Psalms 23, that even in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Church, there's a journey before us as we get free from anxiety As we get out of despair, out of depression, there is help from the Holy Spirit. Wherever you might find yourself, whether you're mild or severe, I believe God wants to secure you out of the place where you feel stuck and alone and onto a solid foundation. Wherever you're at, would you mind just standing to your feet? I want to pray for you. And if you would, just in humility, if you feel comfortable, and even if you don't feel comfortable, would you just kind of open your hands up right where you're at? for God to do something in you. And maybe you haven't struggled with anxiety or or depression all that much, but God actually wants to help you as you're a helper helping other people out of the mess of their mind and their emotions that they might be in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I speak to every heart that is listening, that feels hopeless or in despair, for every anxious thought that has strayed off from your truth for every circumstance where people find themselves where they feel like they'll never get better and they'll never move forward I thank you that you expose the lies of the enemy and in our current reality of our emotions you speak to us just like help lift Christian out of the the mire and the place of being stuck the place of despair would your Holy Spirit like only he can touch every heart right here and now and lift them out of the place of misery or out of the place of anxiety and place them on a new foundation so they continue the path that you have for them lord i believe that anxiety and depression will not rule us any longer we are going to journey with you together towards health and strength in the name of jesus amen